The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Jim Schroeder, good to see you always here on Another from Another Tuesday. And Jim, you know, look, I'm sure we'll have our laughs. Uh, We're going to have a lot of fun talking about a number of topics, but I want to talk about something uh, fairly serious, and it's something that has divided us, uh, divided us as a country. Sometimes we're divided along political lines. We're divided uh, along racial lines. And when it comes to what's being taught in schools, you know, the definition of, of, of great literature or great art, some people think it's Hemingway. Some people think it's Robert Frost. Some people think it's Mozart, Beethoven. And we go back and forth, you know, Emily Dickinson. Are we, are we diverse enough? Are we, uh, are we balanced enough? But Jim, I think I found something that can bring the country together. Debo Samuel should be taught in schools. Debo Samuel is art. I don't care if you're a Republican. I don't care if you're a Democrat. I don't care if you're apolitical, libertarian, Debo Samuel, what that man does is art. And if you don't see that, well, I don't know what you're looking at. I really don't know. Debo Samuel takes it to an entirely different stratosphere. Tim, I could watch Debo Samuel run the football. And like, if you, if you take that to an art museum, I'm fine. Like, I don't need to, I don't need to walk around. Take that to Paris. Take that to the Louvre. Okay, I'll just sit there and watch that. I watch that all day. Hey, you want to go see Mona Lisa? No. I'm going to sit here <laughs> and watch Debo Samuel. And I will, I will say this to you because you are, and Jerry Rice knows, Jerry Rice agrees with me. You thought I was serious, by the way, off the top, didn't you? <laughs> I did. I did. I didn't know where you were going, but I thought you were serious. <laughs> you thought I was. But, you know, Jim, I will say this. I know you grew up in San Francisco. You're a San Francisco fan. And San Francisco, Oakland, Berkeley, that is the area where Debo really could be taught in schools because they do some (laughs) different things out there where where you grew up, including, and I love this, even in in San Francisco, they have a Church of St. John Coltrane. It's a church, (laughs) the gospel of Coltrane. So if you can have the gospel of Coltrane, we can have the art, the impressionist art, the, the modern art of Debo Samuel. Your thoughts? They also teach a course on Tupac Shakur at the University of California, Berkeley. So you're right. We are a little different out in the Bay Area. Um, look, the thing about Debo that's so great, part of it is you don't see a lot of wide receivers who because of their physicality, um, elicit a type of fear, if you will, from defensive backs, not in terms of covering them, but actually having to tackle them. And when you look at that play last night, 
and you see Jalen Ramsey's effort to try and bring down Devo Samuel, it kind of looked like Jalen was making. I, I did. It looked like he was making a business decision on that one. And we are talking about yeah, with yeah. a wide receiver. Normally, we we use that phrase with, you know, a running back. So no, Debo's different, man. And and as he says, once he gets the ball in his hands, his whole thing is um, like a lot of great players. He becomes a football player, and he's not afraid of the contact. And all he's thinking about is the goal line. And we saw that again last night. And the other thing I will say on that play in particular is what you see in San Francisco are some of the best run blocking wide receivers in the NFL. There is a culture there that if you are not willing to do that, you are not going to play. And we saw Brandon Ayuk down at the goal line put the defender on his butt with a block that cleared the last few yards for Debo Samuel to get in. So um, I, I, I just see it. Terrible throw from Jimmy Garoppolo, by the way, but that's all right. It is. It was. It was. And yeah. that's the thing, Jimmy. Does, does any quarterback get away with more bad throws than Jimmy Garoppolo? <laughs> Seriously. No, he's probably number one. He's probably number one. And, and, Look, and one, bad two, throws. He was shaky. He was three, shaky four, last night. Yeah. Let me see. Five. Five. Oh, that's Jalen. How many defenders? Jaylen didn't want that. Uh huh. And there's six. So there were potentially six that had an opportunity to get at Debo. That who did not. So he's just a different guy, man. And and that's one of the reasons the 49ers made a point of not trading him this offseason when he wanted more money. Um, because he's so valuable to that offense in so many ways, not just in terms of playmaking, but also the culture that he brings to it, the vibe that he brings to it. You know what, Jim? That I'm thinking about San Francisco, and I heard um, you know, Chris Sims and Mike Florio talking about it this morning on, on Peacock TV and also Sirius XM channel 85. I listen every morning, drop the kids off to school where they teach Debo Samuel, but drop the kids off to school <laughs> and uh, just just listen to them talk about this. And they were talking about San Francisco's roster. And I know Sims is big on this and he thinks they have a Super Bowl roster and that's all well and good. I agree. But if they really if you want to go from being a team that's always described as having a Super Bowl roster as opposed to a team that wins Super Bowls, you're going to have to start winning some of these games. And if you say we're going to win despite Jimmy Garoppolo, so be it. Like last year, maybe it was so thin that difference between them and the Rams in the NFC Championship game, 23 to 20. And I know the Rams don't have a great home field advantage. There probably were more 49ers fans in there than Rams fans. But who's to say San Francisco doesn't win that game if they're playing at home? And, and so they go into the playoffs last year. They have a tough game in Dallas. They beat Dallas. They have a tough uh, game at Green Bay. They beat Green Bay. And then they have to go to Los Angeles. Short road trip. I get it. But why not Make it easy on yourself. Start stacking up some wins. This is what they have to do. Otherwise, they're going to they're going to be very frustrated about what it could have should have if they had just won this game. So that's the next step for San Francisco. Everybody knows what kind of talent they have. Uh, they're going to have to push Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have to push himself. I think if they get home field. Watch out. Yeah, I'm not. Mm, I'm not I, I can't go that far with it because look they won on the road at Dallas they won on the road at Green Bay last year 
And if 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 uh, Tart doesn't drop that interception late in the fourth quarter, they win there. Tough way to yeah, live, though, Jim. It is a tough way to live, but it's the NFL. I mean, so for me, um, two things have to happen for them to get to where they want to go. And that's number one, Jimmy Garoppolo has to elevate his play. And look, there is a yeah. reason. There is a reason they gave up three number one draft picks to go out and get Trey Lance with Jimmy already having taken them to a Super Bowl. And that is because they believed that they had seen the best that he could offer. And they knew <laughs> that that was not yeah. good enough to get them where they want to go. So to me, this ultimately is going to come down to the play of the quarterback position because defensively, as we've talked about, they are one of the elite defenses, even though they say to really have that label attached to them, they have to be more consistent in terms of takeaways. If you look at their two victories, they have a total of five takeaways, three against the Seahawks, two against the Rams. When you look at their two losses, they have a total of one takeaway, which was in the opener against Justin Fields and the Bears. So they believe that they have to get more takeaways uh, to get that label, to, to accept that label. But offensively, look, again, as I say, I don't know of a quarterback who has gotten away with more risky or bad throws or bad decisions than Jimmy has. And that throw to Debo last night, even Jimmy admitted afterwards, when he let it go, all of a sudden he saw the corner breaking on it and for a moment was fearful that that could have been an interception or potentially a pick six. So for me, that's where it's at for them. Now, you mentioned that the, the San Francisco defense, they feel like they need to have more takeaways. Well, let's let's transition from takeaways to giveaways. I know you were in Baltimore over Ooh. the weekend. And once again, once again, the Baltimore Ravens have a victory all lined up. And then the thing just kind of fizzles. We know we saw that against Miami. They had a, a you know, 21 point lead in that game. They they're dominating the Dolphins. Then they just fall apart in the, in the fourth quarter, give up, you know, almost 300 yards, 250, 300 yards in the fourth quarter alone. And then taking on an excellent Buffalo Bills team, they got another 17 point lead here, 17 point lead against Buffalo. They blow that. John Harbaugh is answering analytics questions. <laughs> And now you look at the Ravens and I just don't recognize them. Like the Ravens were never this kind of team for me. That was for somebody else. Somebody else down the, the neighbors down the street. They're going to be sloppy and messy, but not the Ravens. The Ravens have it all buttoned up and they will always be fundamentally sound. What's going on with the Ravens, Jim? Well, let me give you this. First off, when we think of Ravens, the first thing at least I think of is defense. And I'm talking historically. So if you go from 1999 to 2020, or, or, or those 22 seasons, 18 times they ranked in the top 10 in total defense. Right now, today, they are last against the past and they are 30th overall. But even more concerning, Mike, is what's happening in the fourth quarter. And I'm trying to do this off the top of my head, so I may get my numbers wrong here. Okay. But I believe. Let's help you. I, I, we got yeah, you. we'll I, give you some safety help over the top. Don't you, worry about it. Here yeah, we go. I, and I and I need it because I had the numbers earlier. I don't have them in front of me, but if memory serves me right, to some degree, they have been outscored. Um, they have only scored nine offensive fourth quarter points this year, and they wow. have allowed forty three fourth quarter points this year on defense. So it is very tough obviously, and I'm stating the obvious, to win 
when you can't close out in the fourth quarter. It's just that simple. And again, they have now at home played two home games. They have blown three possession leads in each of those two home games. That is so uncharacteristic of the Baltimore Ravens that for a moment there, I'm, I'm watching it like, who am I watching? Because I don't know this team, you know? That's not the franchise I know. Do you think that any uh, big changes are coming? I mentioned to Michael Smith yesterday, you know, back in the day, the Ravens are, 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 are sound, as I said, but they're not above adjustments. And they made, when they won their last Super Bowl, they made a, a, a very important coaching switch. Cam Cameron out as offensive coordinator. They bring in Jim Caldwell. They go on a run. Joe Flacco's awesome uh, in the postseason. He was Joe Montana-like in the postseason. Anquan Bolden helped too because Flacco had a couple of those Jimmy Garoppolo throws and Anquan Bolden was Debo Samuel before we even knew the name Debo Samuel. He'd snatch him out of the air and, yes, and turn a disaster into a productive play. But I, I say all that to mention their defensive coordinator. It has, I mean, look, really the last three, the last three weeks and, you know, one of those is a win. Win against the Patriots, loss against the Bills, loss against the Dolphins, and um, they they give up over a thousand, like what, 1,200, 1,300 yards? More than that. In three games? Yeah, look, look we know that Wink Martindale's no longer there, and there's a feeling that... And why isn't he in there? Is, it, why is that he a there? personality think, thing? Well, I think in part, look, Wink wants to be a head coach, and, and I think there are some who thought that maybe there was more focus being more attention being paid to that than actually to the defense at times last year. Um, and so I just think that maybe John Harbaugh, the organization felt it was time for a change. And that's, that's well within his rights as a head coach and um, to feel like he needs to address his staff. But the problem is, okay, who are you going to bring in? And now how long will it take for this unit to mesh? The question I would have is, is the issue that the coordinator and the play calling and the adjustments that are or are not being made, or is it um, the personnel that is on the field? And as I watch the Ravens now, I still believe the personnel is pretty good. Um, hmm. And again, if you can dominate as they do early in games and even to some degree into the third quarter, and then all of a sudden by the fourth, you're falling apart, then I think you have to start to, to look at the play calling that's going on and the adjustments that are are not being made because again that is not the Baltimore Ravens defense that we have always that we have come to know over the years and I will say this to you though so there was a lot of conversation I'm sure you guys had it yesterday about the decision to go yeah. for the touchdown on fourth down being did at that game I did from this standpoint they weren't going to stop Buffalo right. defensively they weren't and John Harbaugh came out after and said he believes they would have stopped them. And I, I don't believe that he believes that in his heart. Or you take the points there and you go up. If that had been the Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, you know, um, McCrary, that defense, Terrell Suggs, that Baltimore Ravens defense, I believe John Harbaugh would have kicked the field goal and said, if you can go down the field in the field goal range against our guys, then more power to you. You deserve to win. I don't think he feels that with this defense. This is just my opinion. He did not say that to me. It's just no, my I, opinion. I get you. I, I'm, yeah. yeah, Jim, I couldn't agree with you more. And and that's that was my thought yesterday, where he's got to be all things to all people. I mean, head coach, 
I, I, look, it's not a bad life. Pretty good pay, great visibility. One of 32 jobs, and and it continues to pay even when you have been fired from the job. There's always a spot for a former head coach, especially one who's won a Super Bowl. But the downside of the job is just too many, too many politics involved. Too much politics. Look, what he wanted to say was, "Come on, y'all, my defense is." Uh, not the defense that you're used to seeing. So I got to take everything I can get. Field goal's not going to be enough. I got to get a touchdown. But he couldn't. He got to do that dance for the media. He got to do that dance for the players and on and on. I, here's I just the wish thing. Jim, but he, he, he hadn't go said ahead, analytics. I right. wish he hadn't said analytics. Does, does analytics support that? Or does John Harbaugh support that? Just say... I thought it was the best deal. I, I wanted to do it. You don't have to say, yeah. you know, put it under the analytics umbrella because I'm not sure analytics says that you should do what you did. Well, that, and that's the world we live in today where everyone, you know, you're going to be second guessed. You know, they're going to throw numbers at you now because everybody's a stat geek. Um, but here's my thing. If you watch that play, first, let me backtrack. First, what I think he's saying is that he has more confidence in Lamar Jackson to make a play there than he does his defense to make a stop. That's number one. Number two, if you watch that play, it's an excellent play in terms of Devin DuVernay sitting there wide open and Lamar was simply late getting the ball out. Now, Lamar said afterwards he saw his peripheral vision was was bothered by um, defenders that were closing in, and maybe it was – but all I know is Devin DuVernay was there long enough to be able to make sandcastles if he wanted. And the ball right? was simply yeah. the ball was simply delivered late. And if it's not yeah, because Jordan again. Poyer, Jordan Poyer, who had the interception, that was not his man. He's sitting in the middle of the field at the goalpost and he peeked over and saw Devin DuVernay sitting there all alone. And so he took off in a mad sprint to get over and cover him because no one else was there. It just so happens the ball was late. I see him. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, very late. So, Jim, all right, if if you look at this and a field goal or touchdown, what do you do? I'm still not sure both teams are done there. So, here we go. Ravens, they can be explosive on offense. They score a touchdown there. Let's play in the world of make-believe. They go up 27-20. Buffalo's got four minutes. To do some work with Josh Allen, the quarterback, they scored just before the two-minute warning. So now it's 27 to 27. Like we're making a big deal, as if a touchdown would have sealed it. I don't. I'm. I'm not convinced of that at all. Based no, on what no, I've seen no, no. from this Ravens Hold on. Defense. Hold on. It, it wasn't that a touchdown would seal it. What John Harbaugh said is that a touchdown would have, at worst, taken it to overtime if Buffalo scored. And that was part of the rationale for him going for it as well. Yeah. He knew he could lose if he had kicked kicked a field goal there and Buffalo goes down and scores a touchdown, as you say, in those four plus minutes. But by getting a touchdown, he's saying at least we give ourselves an opportunity to go to overtime if they go down and score a touchdown. And again, that goes yeah, back well, to not having confidence in your defense to make that stop. Well, all I know is uh, Lamar Jackson has lost uh, two of his last three games. I don't want to talk about Lamar anymore. Uh, coming up, Jim, we're going to talk about the real MVP of the league, a quarterback who hasn't lost a game yet. As a fill-in, his name is Cooper Rush. We're going to talk about Cooper Rush. 
with Ashley, the cold boss. She will join brother from another. When we return, we're going to talk about them cow. How about them cowboys? <laughs> hey, and, and the real thing is, I wonder if Ashley and Nicole will admit this. I had to motivate her about the Cowboys. I had to give her some encouragement. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Well, I know that uh, it's better. Uh, and I know that uh, uh, he's uh, uh, going to go out there every day and uh, uh, make progress toward being able to grip the ball. Uh, I don't know that you could ask for better news, uh, technically, physically, and uh, uh, how uh, it's uh, responding, at, uh, uh, how it's healing, so to speak. Is he able to grip the football now? Uh, no, not well enough to uh, uh, play. So is there an amount of games or, or a record or a win streak that would change the plan this year? No, no, no. I think uh, we've, uh, uh, as I see it right today. Uh, it's Jerry Jones, owner of the Cowboys, talking about Dak Prescott and Cooper Rush. Uh, he is relaxed because Cooper Rush is three and zero this season, four and zero overall, but three and zero this season, filling in for Dak Prescott. And I, I don't know, Jim. You know some. Some people just have, you know, you got to really convince them that what looks impossible is possible. You know, some people, you just got to inspire them a little bit. They don't believe in the team. Maybe they don't believe in themselves. (laughs) You know what, Michael? I I don't want to turn this into like Dr. Phil, but we may need to really like dive into why you need constant reassurance. And I you told you, said you it off the air. It goes back to your childhood. You not enough hugs, it not does. enough positive affirmation. Exactly. I don't know, but we, we yes. got to get a grip. <laughs> this is all true. I was the youngest. I'm the youngest of three. I felt like, hey, what you know? Why? Why does this happen? I should be getting more attention. I should be. I should be spoiled. Why are you holding me to this high standard? I need to be babied, and so I didn't get enough attention. You're absolutely right. I said, yeah, but I, tell you, I know. But I, I see the signs. The clear signs are right there. there. You see it all. I'm admitting to it. But I'll tell you this, Ashley. 3-0 and has me feeling pretty good about the Cowboys. I, I'm sort of kind of rooting for them. It's really weird. I haven't been like that ever in my life. Now I'm rooting for the Cowboys. I think part of it is because Michael Smith said they couldn't do it. So I had to go the other way and, said, and say they can. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel about them? I know it's your team, but do you... Do you think this is sustainable? Do you think that they are on the on the same level as, say, the Eagles in the NFC East? 
I think it's sustainable to a certain point of the season, right? The NFC East has the easiest schedule of all the divisions in the NFL. So that works in your favor, especially when you lose your starting quarterback. I think that it's an asinine statement to make when people are like, Cooper Rush is better than Dak Prescott. No, he's not. Like, there's a reason Dak Prescott is a franchise quarterback. I think that people have short-term memories in sports and they only remember what you have done recently and not what you have done overall. And overall, Dak Prescott is a better quarterback than Cooper Rush. The team needs him to be successful for the long-term. Obviously, you know, the first game that he was in this season wasn't the best showing, but people seem to forget what the team looked like when Dak was out the entire season, right? And that's not to knock what Cooper Rush is doing. It's incredible that he's being able to hold this team above water and to do it successfully. They're actually winning games. They're not getting close. You know, they're not losing games. They're winning. So every win counts, and it just makes Dak's job a little bit easier when he gets back. But to say that this team can survive without him, absolutely not. That's not the case. But Ashley, I'm curious how you feel when Jerry says something like, no, 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 Mm -hmm. at this moment. He always, why put a qualifier on that? Why not just say no, period? Right. Yeah, I, Jerry's a showsman, you know, like he, he likes the attention. He likes, you know, the star of the Dallas Cowboys, America's team, the spotlight. I don't really agree and I've never really been a fan of how he seems to subtly or directly throw Dak Prescott under the bus, whether it's talking about, you know, not having enough money to pay other guys because he's given all his money to the quarterback. Nobody forced you to pay Dak Prescott. Let's make that very clear. You paid him because you had to, because where were you going to get another Dak Prescott to lead your team? Every team needs a franchise quarterback. You dragged your feet for as long as possible. You saw what the team looked without him. And you had to pay him. So, like, doubling back and kind of throwing these subtle shots out there and making it seem like there's a quarterback controversy, there's no quarterback controversy. Like, it's not – it doesn't exist. Right now, Cooper Rush is the quarterback because Dak Prescott cannot grip the football. Once Dak is cleared to play, he's coming back for his spot. That's just how it works. So I think Jerry just likes, you know, the sound bites and the hot takes and the the headlines and all eyes are on Dallas as they normally are. But Dak's not losing his job, and Jerry needs Dak, and he needs to stop acting like he doesn't. It's really that simple. I'm going to ask this. I can see you had a a follow-up. Go ahead. Yeah, and and I realize I may be asking the wrong person. But tell (laughs) me why, tell me why the Cowboys can overtake the Eagles in this division. I mean, I feel like we're a better team top to bottom. I just, I think that we have a better quarterback. That's no knock on Jalen Hurts. I'm a big fan of Hurts. I've been a fan of him since he was in college. But I think overall, when we have a healthy Dak Prescott, he's better than Jalen Hurts right now. I also think the offensive schemes that the Eagles run sometimes are suspect. For some reason, they don't utilize their receivers as much as they should. I see Jalen Hurts running that ball himself a lot more than he should when you have a deep uh, receiver roster like the Eagles do. If I had a fraction of that, Dak would never leave the pocket, but I don't. So he's got to do a little bit more movement. So I think that this it's going to come down to the schemes. And that's one thing that I find frustrating is like you see Kellen Moore calling plays for Cooper Rush that 
are allowing him to flourish in the space that he can flourish in, right? Kobe Bryant had this saying where it's like, dance beautifully in the box that you're comfortable in. And Cooper Rush is dancing beautifully in the box that he's comfortable in. And that has to do with the play calling. I didn't see that in game one for Dak. It was asking a lot of him that he doesn't normally do. And again, it's not all on the play calling because Dak's decision-making was a little bit off as well. But I would like to see plays called for Dak that are within the box that he can exist in to be successful. And I think that if we get him back for that Eagles game, it's an it's an easy it's an easy win. Yeah, easy, okay. easy, easy win. Easy, easy win. win. Easy Ooh. win. Ooh. <laughs> easy. Ooh, I like no going now. <laughs> All right. Ooh. Yo, she said she said she didn't opinion. stutter. She didn't <laughs> stutter. I, I like it. Ashley, does it change your opinion if if Dak is not there and Cooper is there at Philadelphia, as you can see there on the schedule, coming up on Sunday Night Football, Sunday Night Football, check it out. I got my own Sunday Night Football mug. Yeah, new logo, <laughs> new year. But if if Cooper is there, do you like the Cowboys to win at Philly? I still do. You know, I'm a big I'm a big fan of the old school mantra: defense wins championships. Also, defense wins games, and I think we have one of the best. Mm. Um, we're also the best at getting to the quarterback. So Jalen Hurts is going to be running and scrambling a lot. Um, so I'm confident that the defense, as long as you can score, and as long as you can go ahead and the offense have a, has enough time on the field, whether that results in a field goal or an actual touchdown. Or even if you you just you have to avoid the three and outs because you don't want to exhaust your defense. You don't want them like, you know, hands on the hips kind of thing, like looking like they need oxygen. You need them an ample amount of time for them to go ahead and recuperate. If you have a healthy just defense on that field consistently, I don't see how the Eagles offensively are going to be able to combat that. And personally, I don't want Dak back if he's not 100% for that Eagles game. I think they play tough. I think they're going to be coming for him. And the worst thing you want to do is put a quarterback out there that's 50, 60, 70% and then run the risk of him getting injured even more. And then down the line, deeper into the season, now you don't have your franchise quarterback because you wanted to be a hero in week six. If he's not ready, keep him out of the game. If you lose it, you lose it. If you win it with your backup, you win it with your backup. But do not force him and do not allow him to come back on that field until he's ready. You know, Man, Jim uh, and Ashley, uh, we know that I think the NFC East is the only division in football that has three relevant franchises. Most teams have, most divisions have four. Uh, this division has three relevant franchises in the Cowboys, <laughs> the Giants, and the Eagles. I can't even remember who that other team is. Yeah, me neither. Out of, <laughs> of those three teams, that's for you, Gary Carter. Shame on you, still rooting for that team. You, you, know, you know better. You know better. But out of those three teams, are we talking about legitimately? Are we talking about Eagles, Dallas for the crown? Or do you look at the Giants who the Cowboys already beat Monday Night Football? Do you look at the Giants and say, hey, they're not they're Maybe they're unremarkable, but they are three and one. They're going to be a tough out. How do you see it? No, I think, you know, the saying every dog has its day. And I think the Giants have just had their days lately and they've gotten lucky in some games. But I don't think the way that that team is constructed is sustainable for the entire season. I mean, you have Daniel Jones out there like leading in rushing yards. That's not OK. Like he's a quarterback, you know, it reminds me of like Cam Newton era, the Carolina Panthers, the year they went to the Super Bowl. He was the leading rusher as a quarterback. You just can't exist like that. And Daniel Jones is no Cam Newton, you know, in the terms of, you know, physicality and things like that. So he's going to start breaking down now, you know, the situation with his ankle, 
You got Saquon Barkley out there playing QB1, running Wildcats. That just can't <laughs> happen. Like, it's just not okay. I think that when it comes to complete rosters and rosters that are functional and are sustainable for an entire season, the only competition in the division right now are the Eagles and the Cowboys. So it's going to come down to them, I think, when it's all said and done, unless, you know, Love something it. catastrophic happens. But I just don't think that other team in whatever state they play in, city, I don't know, where are they from? Wisconsin? I don't know. Washington, <laughs> wherever. Um, wherever that other team is a non-factor, but the Giants are are just they're in disarray. And I know Odell paid them a visit. Don't do it, OBJ. Don't go back there. The glory days are over. Do not go there. Don't do it. You have a ring. You don't need to go there. Well, here's what I'm curious about: if the Eagles game is going to be easy, mm. and Michael, we need to have her back on the Monday <laughs> after that game. But if the Eagles game <laughs> oh, is course. going if the Eagles game is going to be easy, who is it in the NFC that that truly the Cowboys have to be concerned about? You know, I'm actually, I'm looking at that Rams game this upcoming week, and I'm kind of like, mm. I'll be there. I'm, I'm interested. I know right. they didn't have a great show against the 49ers last night. The 49ers are a great team. You know, I think Jimmy Garoppolo, people give him a lot of crap, but I think that he does just enough to where surrounded by an incredible team, he can win games. Mm. He doesn't have to be, mm. he doesn't have to be Tom Brady. He doesn't have to be Aaron Rodgers. He just does enough to where everyone around him can be successful. And all he has to do is just, you know, guide the ship a little bit. But I think you can't underestimate the Rams. I mean, Aaron Donald is a beast you know one of the best oh. in the league if not the best in the league and it's gonna be interesting when you don't have your starting quarterback your QB1 your franchise guy out there how Cooper Rush is gonna go ahead and navigate those waters he may get lucky and you know Aaron Donald may not have the film on him like he does Dak Prescott but I don't know that's 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 gonna be a, a tough game I'm not I'm not looking forward to that one too much so that so is, well, am I hearing this correctly? Is that the only one you're concerned about? The Rams going no, forward? I mean, I, obviously I, other I teams. Want... You know, I think you can never count. You can never count out the Bucks. I know Tom Brady's going through some things, and he doesn't look like himself. But it's still Tom Brady. It's still you know the Super Bowl winning Buccaneers. There's a lot of teams, and although I say it's going to be an easy game, it's never easy when it's a division game, especially a team right. that I feel like the Eagles. You know, for as much as I dislike them, I will say that. That's a really good-looking team. I think they're well-coached. Um, I think they have a deep receiver roster. I think Jalen Hurts is a great quarterback, and he's only getting better. And I would feel more confident going into that game if I had my franchise guy, but not having him. I think the Eagles definitely have an opportunity to win it. It's definitely going to be a bloodbath for sure, for sure. And it's in Philly? Yeah. That's going to be a tough one. That's going to be a tough All right, one. All right, Ashley. Ashley, I, I love the way you answered that question. It's confidence in the Cowboys. Yeah. But just kind of setting up the excuses just in case Dak is not back. So I'm like Aaron Rodgers when he did with his receivers and the like, you know, he blamed the fact that they were inexperienced in case they didn't yeah. go ahead and perform. It's no harm, just no foul. Case. I'm taking a page from the Aaron Rodgers playbook. That's how I'm moving. That's right. All the options. <laughs> Ashley always enjoy. Talking with you. <laughs> oh, excuse me, excuse me. Excuse me. Was that sarcasm, really, Michael? <laughs> no, no, I really did cough. That seemed like it was intense. I'm serious. Okay. I coughed. Jim Trotter knows. I just got my voice back. My voice is gone last week, so that my is voice true. is returning. But I still have some. Have Maybe some it's remnants. because you're, you're asking but, for too much positive, you know, reinforcement. It's, it's 
force. And I say know? it to myself in the mirror, you're okay. You're okay. <laughs> Believe in yourself. I do all these things all the time. But Trotter's right. After that Sunday night game, we're going to have you back here. Win or lose, win or lose, please come visit. Will do. Ashley Nicole Moss, always good to see you. Thank you. Brother from another continues. We got some stuff to talk about. We got some business, Trotter, to clean up from last week or to continue from last week. Let's do it. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. What do you think it is about Vaughn Miller that's allowed him to be so <laughs> consistent for so long through age and injury? He's Vaughn Miller. You know, um, some guys are aliens visiting from another planet, you know, um, and that's just the reality of it. Man, in the National Football League, man, you got to respect all these guys, right? They're all freaky. Um, but some guys are even freaky in our setting, and he's just one of those guys. He always has been since he came out of A&M moving and changing and running like a corner. Um, <laughs> he needs no endorsement from me. His resume is his resume. An alien visiting from another planet. I'm telling you, our, our, our Mike Tomlin poetry continues. What a day. Mike Tomlin and Debo Samuel <laughs> on the same day. I mean, I just can't. Uh, my day is made. My day is made and it's what? 345 in the East and already uh, it's been an incredible day. But no, Jim, we were talking last week. I want to continue this. It was a great conversation. We, we ran out of time. I want to make sure we don't run out of time today. We started off talking about Rihanna and how she is going to be featured at halftime of the Super Bowl following what some people think is one of the great Super Bowl halftime shows ever last year in Los Angeles. So Rihanna's there. And and you you brought up a quote where she said a few years ago, hey, I wouldn't I wouldn't do that. I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna sell out my people. And we started to get into this conversation of what's changed. And I was more defending Rihanna of saying, hey, she felt that way, or she said it at the time, but are we gonna hold her to that permanently? But it grew into a larger conversation. You made some excellent points off the air. That I said, ooh, maybe I should have thought about that. So I'm going to give you the floor and 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 let you uh, take it where we really didn't have time to take it last week. Yeah, I I don't remember everything I said to you off air, but let me let me start with this. Rihanna has the right to change her mind, just as anyone has the right to change their mind. And at the time that she said that, Rock Nation was not involved with the NFL in terms of its halftime show um, and musical guest. And as we know, one of her mentors is Jay Z. So who is now um, a part of this whole process. So she wants to change her mind, power to her. The, quest, the only question I ask is what really has changed from a league standpoint? Colin Kaepernick still does not have a job. Um, from the diversity numbers, the league has acknowledged from its standpoint that they are not doing a good enough job in terms of leveling the playing field for head coaching opportunities. Um, and then even within the media group, as we talked about where I work, um, on our news desk, we cover a league whose player population is 60 to 70% black, and yet we don't have one full-time black employee on that news desk or in senior management in the newsroom. So 
Um, so I asked personally, what has really changed? And I, I don't know that a lot has changed other than everyone seems to have moved past Colin Kaepernick taking a knee now. Um, so I, I, I still believe there's a lot of work to be done. And, and what I'm saying to you now, I've said privately to people at the NFL, I believe the NFL is the most popular sports league in the country, if not the world. And with that comes a social responsibility. And, and there is a social contract between the two that, in my opinion, the NFL should be a beacon for all of the things that it speaks about and says that are its core principles. And first and foremost, it says that diversity, equity, and inclusion are core principles. So if that is the case, then I think that should be reflected in its actions, in its hiring practices, in every other way possible. It is not enough for me just to see a slogan in the end zone where you say, in racism. Um, I think the NFL has to take a hard look in the mirror at itself and do better, um, just as many places do. So that was more my question when, when I heard Rihanna was going to be the halftime guest is, what's really changed? Has much changed? And I would argue that some has changed, but not enough. Yeah, I mean, listen, you, you bring up some great points. Obviously, Ka uh, Kaepernick is not in the league, and it seems like, you know, all, wherever you want to put it, owners, general managers, coaches, all of the above are just content to continue to wait out the clock, uh, keep checking every year to see how, uh, how many birthdays they've missed with Colin Kaepernick, where they get to the point and say, well, come on. The guy is, you know, fill in the blank, whatever age you have at the time. You know, it's very rare for somebody of that age to continue playing in the NFL. They're really waiting him out. So that hasn't changed. You talk about we, we continue to have conversations about, you know, black head coaches. And one thing that has changed since we since Kaepernick was in the league is that there was a it was a lawsuit brought by a former head coach, a racial lawsuit about the, the racist hiring practices in the NFL. That's active litigation that Brian Flores brought against the NFL. So that's a big change, and it's a change not for the better if you're trying to say, oh, look how much we've improved. But if that's the well, case... Here's, but let me ask ahead, you this ahead, on that point. Is it a coincidence? And I'll ask you this question. It's not rhetorical. Mm -hmm. Is it a coincidence that the NFL was down to one black head coach prior to the time that Brian Flores filed that lawsuit, and there had been nine openings last year nine the first six all went to white men when brian flores filed his lawsuit then all of a sudden we got lovey smith hired and mike mcdaniel who is biracial um was hired out of the final three yeah. openings is that just a coincidence i'll let you make your own decision about it no what what no it, it's not a coincidence i'm gonna tell you why Brian Flores put Houston in that lawsuit, right? Didn't he put? Didn't he include Houston? So he he, he said Houston. He, he was up for the Houston job, but Houston didn't. They when he when Houston didn't hire him, he said the reason you didn't hire me is because I brought this lawsuit. So I think that was part of his. Maybe they're not officially part of the lawsuit, but there was commentary on Houston not hiring him, right? Do you remember that? I remember that he there were two teams that he mentioned specifically. He sued the league. He mentioned the right. Giants in particular. He mentioned the Giants and then and the Dolphins. Right. And he was 
clearly. And, right. And he, and he was interviewing for the Houston job. And I think he, I think he actually made a comment about Houston, but Houston who had been mentioned or referenced by Brian Flores hires Lovey Smith because remember the time at the time we were talking about uh, who's a former player with no coaching experience that they really wanted to hire. They Josh McCown. To, uh, Josh, Josh McCown. McCown. Then with here's Miami, the thing. clearly, clearly here's Miami. The th- here's the thing. Deviates. Yeah, here's it. Well, here's the thing with Houston. So Houston fired a black coach last year, David Culley, after only yeah. one season. And even when David Culley took that job, and and we're just being real here, he was yes, told by people, he was told by people, you are simply a placeholder for Josh McCown, because Josh McCown, it was known that management and ownership really liked him from his time there, knew of him, believed he could be a leader for that team, et cetera, et cetera. I will say this to you. I remember when I first heard last, what was it, two years ago before David Culley was hired, and I heard Josh McCown's name, and I called him because I said to him, I don't want to say anything publicly that I haven't said to you personally. Mm. And I said to him, I said to him, you should not have this job. You have not earned this over these other men who have spent most of their adult life coaching in the league, preparing themselves to climb that ladder. And to his credit, Josh McCown, who is someone I respect tremendously, said, I told the Texans that I shouldn't be hired. And I told them they should be considering X, Y, and Z. Um, So I don't want Josh to get somehow mixed up into this as as sort of a bad guy. Yeah, he was actually he actually fought for the tech because one of the candidates he mentioned to them was a black coach. So, um, so well, he was well, saying to Jim, them, "You're you're wrong. You're wrong for doing or considering what you're considering." Well, okay, you know, props on that level, but at the same time, you're still showing up for the interviews. I mean, if you really Look, I, I think I think we're all guilty of, of this. We're all all we're all guilty of it of, to varying degrees and we can all pick. You can look at it and say, okay, well, my sin is not as great as his. We can, but we all have looked at something. We have our principles of what we think is right and what's wrong. We've identified we've identified that thing for us but we've continued to do our business anyhow. Okay, right. we've continued to do it anyhow. So I can say, hey, shame on you, NFL, as I you know, sit there and look forward to Thursday and Sunday and Monday and, and, and build my life around the NFL. But then, then I can also call out the NFL and it makes sense in my head. Even if it doesn't make sense to you looking at me, it makes sense to me. Josh, Josh McCown can say, Hey, I shouldn't have this job. Makes sense to him, but I'm still going to go because they might hire me. And if they happen to hire me, I might take it, even though I say I shouldn't take, you know, so everybody's playing this game, including Rihanna, including players, because you said uh, Colin Kaepernick is kind of, we've kind of forgotten about protests. Well, who's protesting? If Rihanna's not protesting anymore, how she's, well, look at the players that like the players aren't either. Okay, why should I I'm an entertainer. It's not my sport. 
It's a great opportunity. It's a vehicle. I'm an entertainer. It had the blackest Super Bowl halftime show last year. Seemed like they had a good time. They made a lot of money off of it. I wasn't involved. So why not me? Right? So it's I, that's Look, why I have a hard time. Gonna... I have a hard time beating her up. Uh, rephrase, uh, consider history strike. I have a hard time criticizing her when she's she's not the only one who has seemingly said it's safe to go back into the water. Yeah, and, and, and my purpose is not to criticize her. I want to be clear on that. My purpose is to keep the conversation going about if we are really about change, then let's talk about what change has been made. And if not enough has changed, why has it not changed? That's my purpose in this, because I think too often we get comfortable, time moves on, and we're on to the next thing. And so knowing what her statement was back at that time when they previously offered it to her, I just want to know in her mind what has changed and, and what more can be done to facilitate the change that obviously she, I, and others want, which is a level playing field for all. Yeah, I'm so glad. Jim, I'm just so glad that you, you brought it up last week. I'm glad that you you know, have expounded on it this week. Uh, it's really an important topic, and it's not going anywhere. We'll keep talking about it. Uh, until we get a little closer to the center. Brother from another, we'll continue. We'll wrap it up after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. And Jim Trotter, you illuminate things so well. I can tell you're a teacher. What's coming up in class at, at the University of San Diego or San Diego State this week? We got uh, tonight, zooming in, we have the great Larry Fitzgerald joining us. So we're going to talk a little bit about reporter-athlete relationships. Oh, I like it. Oh, man, what a class. Did you have classes like this, Gary, at Syracuse? But Syracuse, probably not. (laughs) 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 The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.